Thank you for downloading the IA podcast. You can listen to all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Enjoy. The latest volume of the IA's academic journal, Economic Affairs, was published last week, featuring a series of articles from academics and public figures. Our academic journal has been publishing stimulating original work and commentary since 1980, with an increasing international focus and readership. In this latest volume, we had contributions from the former governor of the Bank of England, Mervyn King, and former Labour Minister, Ruth Kelly. In this episode of the IA podcast, I sat down with Patrick Shauntas to discuss his article in the journal on cognitive economics. Patrick is a visiting professor at the Edinburgh Business School and heads the research programme in cognitive economics, which partners cognitive science with economics. Patrick, first of all, could you explain to our listeners what cognitive economics is? Sure. Um, First, let me take you and your listeners back in time to Adam Smith. He's not only the uh, father of economics, he's also the first cognitive economist. Uh, He namely combined early cognitive science in the theory of moral sentiments published in 1759 with early economics in the Wealth of Nations published later in 1776. Uh, Many seem to have forgotten this important connection. Uh, For example, the term invisible hand was first mentioned in the theory of moral sentiments only later in the Wealth of Nations. Now in our modern times, um, there are a number of variations of cognitive economics but I'll focus on our interpretation formalized in uh, the market mind hypothesis. Uh, Others are referenced in the paper. Um, In all cases, cognitive economics partners cognitive science with economics. Uh, In turn, cognitive science uh, itself is a multidisciplinary field. Um, It includes, for example, artificial intelligence, anthropology, neuroscience, philosophy, and psychology. It studies the mind in all its aspects, including consciousness and its collective dimension, which is especially of interest uh, to us. Uh, Now, um, uh, consciousness is a massive subject in cognitive science, and uh, I won't go into it in detail here, but an easy way perhaps to think about it is as an overlay third system or system three that complements the well-known behavioral uh, system one and system two, which stand for respectively fast and slow thinking. Now, these two disciplines, cognitive science and economics, are complementary in that they instruct each other, right? I mean, cognitive science teaches economics about mentality, which we know is present in markets, like herd mentality, whereas economics teaches cognitive science about market forces, which happen to be present in markets. Think of your unconscious system one again, that cooperates, competes, and exchanges with our deliberate system two. But also think resource allocation and metabolism, which is a collaborative effort, including division of labor labor between our brain and the rest of the body, with your gut, for example, acting as a second brain. So in my paper, um, uh, I have many more examples of how our understanding of the mind informed by cognitive science is moving away from the outdated computer hard software model to uh, what we could interpret as an economic model of uh, self-organizing market. Crucially, uh, 
Uh, there is no central executive, or in cognitive terms, a homunculus uh, managing the mind. So to cut a long story short, markets and minds uh, have a lot in common. Uh, and uh, combining cognitive science and economics in this way leads to a reflexive two-way premise. Market is mind, respectively, mind is market. And it's shared, shared. Uh, what, we, uh, what we call market uh, mind principle is an intelligence and sometimes conscious self-organization um, uh, via ideally spontaneous market dynamics. So all this is part of our specific interpretation of cognitive science, which is called the market mind hypothesis, which we can discuss later. And we particularly integrate insights from what is known as, as 4E cognition, which views the mind as embodied, embedded, and active and extended. Again, all this is explained in the paper. Uh, the punchline is that Cognitive economics pushes the envelope of behavioral economics to its natural limit and finishes what behavioral economics started by exploring the final frontier of human mentality, which is consciousness. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, could you explain, you know, how is this theory of economics different to what you term in the paper mechanical economics or mainstream economics? Yes. Um, the market mind hypothesis as our interpretation of cognitive economics has a psychophysical worldview, which I'll explain shortly. First, however, um, in contrast, mechanical economics has a mechanical worldview inspired by physics envy. Um, it views the economy basically as a machine, the market as an automaton and humans as robots. And now, unfortunately, it doesn't only view, but also treats the economic system like a machine. That is to say that this worldview doesn't remain innocently contained within uh, you know, the, the ivory towers of academia, uh, but turns into mechanistic policies, strategies, and other practices applied in the real world. Uh, in particular, uh, in particular in, in, in policy making, for example, uh, central banks, monetary policies, but also business and investment. And um, again, I explain all this in the paper, but the point is that if you treat uh, Mr. Market like an automaton, he becomes one. Uh, specifically, using brainwashing monetary drugs and other financial repression, he loses his ability to discover prices and to support our research allocation. Now, moreover, what perhaps initially uh, uh, and co perhaps correctly started with, for example, Weber's uh, methodological individualism uh, has now turned via physics envy into its own flawed version of physicalism. And, and physicalism is a so-called metaphysical stance. And it states that all of our reality is physical and nature is what physics is about. In other words, physics can fully explain nature, including human nature. Uh, but what it ignores is, our, uh, is the fact of our biological substrate in general and our consciousness in particular. And this was already highlighted by Frank Knight in a, in a stunning but largely forgotten 1925 paper. Uh, specifically, uh, the market mind hypothesis points to the elephant in economics room, its version of the notorious mind-body problem, which has confounded philosophers, scientists, and other researchers for centuries. Um, now, in simple terms, the mind-body problem asks to explain the relationship between matter, as in the brain, and mind, 
uh, as in conscious experience. Or another way of stating this is how and why our physiology gives rise to our psychology, especially its qualities known as phenomenality, which distinguish experiences. Let me give a practical example, like your brain physically processing a 25% portfolio drawdown, which is the quantity, is accompanied by the hurt, which is the quality of that painful loss. So without going into too much detail, a following night, Hayek, based on his cognitive masterpiece, The Sensory Order, which was published in 1952, acknowledges this problem and pointed out that due to our mind's limitations to understand itself, we should accept and live with what he called practical dualism. So two more points I'll make. Uh, now, based on folk psychology, um, as well as our economic narratives and encounters, most of us make distinctions between the material and mental all the time, even though we're not aware of simultaneously taking a metaphysical stance. For example, Think of the distinctions we make between the physical economy versus the psychological markets and the industrial or manufacturing economy versus the experience or knowledge economy. And then you have physical versus intellectual property and fiat money versus gold, and tangible assets versus intangible. And, and we can go on and on. This makes us closet dualists and explains, for example, why we don't identify with mainstream's physicalism and its homo economicus. Now, to conclude, in contrast to mainstream's mechanical worldview, the market mind hypothesis adopts a mind matter or psychophysical worldview. And among others, it formalizes what investors have always casually referred to as the market's mind, emphasizing that Mr. Market is not an automaton, but a collective extension of ourselves. And it also, uh, the market mind hypothesis also applies Hayek's practical dualism as part of economic analysis. And this allows, for example, to critically assess the assumptions, say about mental causation of policies like for, forward guidance and the wealth effect. That, that, that's very, very interesting. It's, um, I'm, I'm going to put my neck on the line and try and summarize that in a way. So the way we make decisions in economics, it impacts the, 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 and frames the way we feel about products. Is, is, is that a fair assessment? And that's part of it. That's yes. part of it, yes. Um, and that um, would move me on to my, my next question. You know, um, how does this, how does making decisions under this framework impact our understanding of prices and, and, and value? Um, this is very important um, and um, uh, in a way um, there have been uh, criticisms, for example, um, that uh, economics has focused way too much on prices um, and uh, uh, should uh, refocus elsewhere. Um, the, the, the risk we run is that we, we flush away the baby with the bathwater. Now, for, for humans, prices are more than mechanical uh, signals uh, and quantity, right? Uh, humans consume prices uh, as information. Uh, if prices go up, it hurts in your wallet uh, and so on. There, there is a additional qualitative aspect to information being realized, uh, whereby we know that prices are concentrated information. So it, it, it's the realization uh, of prices. Uh, literally, uh, that we be become aware of them, uh, their movements. Uh, now, of course, 
there is narrative in economics, right? When, when, when investors see correlations breaking down or divergences, say between value and growth stocks, um, and uh, other patterns uh, emerge. Uh, then Mr. Market is telling a story. However, at the same time, but at a deeper level, uh, by feeling such dynamics via their portfolios, investors experience the mood of that story. Um, and this is conveyed um, by prices themselves uh, primarily. Now, the idiosyncratic mood completing a market state um, uh, that is to say, um, uh, in a, in a uh, phenomenal qualitative way, uh, uh, complementing um, uh, more uh, the physical processing, etc. That is that is a part of the market state. Yeah. So uh, the, this mood completing a market state is due to the active dynamic of price discovery. Yeah. It is the verb, not the noun, of discovery. Yeah. And that dynamic is, after all, what investors experience as reversals and squeezes and swings and trends, etc. By being in the market, having skin in the game via their portfolios. So being squeezed squeezed hurts, uh, trending up elevates, and reversing annoys. So it may be irrational or random, but it is still real in a phenomenal sense. Specifically, uh, mechanical economics does not acknowledge its qualitative sensations, which complete a market state, uh, and are intersubjectively, that, that means uh, between us, as we exchange, experienced by market participants. And for these consumers of information, there an actual, as it were, taste to it. We can interpret this dual realization. And here I, I go back to cognitive science. So this dual realization of information, again, concentrated in prices for, for more the general case of conscious experience. And this was for, famously described by Chalmers. And I'm gonna give you the, the, the quote, which you, which you can uh, read back in the paper, when Chalmers says, when an experience realizes an information state, the same information state is realized in the experience's physical substrate. We might even suggest that this double realization is the key to the fundamental connection between physical processes and conscious experience. We need some sort of construct to make the link, and information seems as good a construct as any. We might put this by suggesting as a basic principle that information in the actual world has two aspects, a physical and a phenomenal aspect. So just to get to, 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 my, uh, to my point, final points here, I, just, uh, I, I didn't exaggerate when I mentioned in the paper the deep-seated connection between minds and markets. So investor consciousness extends when information via prices is realized both physically and phenomenally in the market, uh, market's mind, via these concentrated numerical formats of prices. In other words, prices form our construct in terms of, of, of Chalmers. And they are the informational building blocks acting as conductors to collectively bridge mind and matter in our efforts to benefit from or respectively hatch against states of the world. Um, and this should change our view, not just of what prices are, but what they do and in turn, this has implications for how we investigate them, and this also for our methodologies, as well as policies and practices. Um, uh, specifically, mechanical analysis methods do not capture mood. So mood is not like sentiment, which you can model via indicators, like a bull bear spread or a fixed index. 
So the, to, to, to my final point to conclude, um, it, it, it means also that we need new methodologies and tools to investigate prices from this psychophysical perspective rather than a mechanical perspective. Um, one, when I was doing some reading before this, um, this interview, uh, one example someone gave was that it would be rational, um, and this is more of a more of a layman sort of uh, example, is that it, it's rational for someone to, to, who, who wants to buy a ticket to the cinema to watch a film to know exactly what happens in that film in order to make a, a judgment on whether they should pay that price. But of course, we are actually less in, we don't want to know what, what the end of the story is. Is that a sort of uh, way of understanding a little bit of what you've just said in a, in a more simple in a more simple example? Um, it, 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 it is, it is um, a surprise uh, as, as a phenomenon, as something that we encounter, um, is central, of course, in uh, discovery, right? Uh, uh, discovery uh, has two very important aspects. First of all, we, we must be allowed um, to explore in order to discover. Um, and then when we discover, it obviously is a, it, it is a surprise, if only because the timing of when we um, uh, gain knowledge, which is what discovery is, but that the timing is not determined by us, as it were, right? It, it just um, uh, emerges. And uh, similarly, often, uh, coming back to your point, um, um, to some extent, we kind of know what we're, what we're looking for, um, for example, we're, we're looking for a solution to a, to a problem, but, but, but often also there is some, some spontaneous insight. So um, I, I hope I'm, I'm answering your, your question in, in that sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I want to go on to the next question. You argue in uh, economic affairs um, that uh, there is a need to revise the paradigm of mentoring economics. Um, and you say that's grown from recent crises. What are the crises that have necessitated a cognitive economic framework? Well, uh, I mean, as if we need reminding, uh, besides the close to financial Armageddon uh, global financial crisis uh, starting in 2008, the economic system suffered to similarly serious crisis over the past decades, right? First, the largely forgotten collapse of the hedge fund uh, LTCM, long-term capital management in 1997, and then the largely stealthy um, repo crisis of the late 2019, early uh, 2020s. So uh, to emphasize, uh, these were all systemic and uh, Mr. Markets was anything but efficient because he almost went comatose, right? And elsewhere, we de de describe these crises as existential reality checks. And thus impressing the, the urgency here, um, uh, you know, uh, not to, 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 to make it too extreme, but it could have been that you and me would not have had this discussion. It's that simple, right? I mean, that's what financial Armageddon is about. And we, we, we seem to have forgotten that already. Um, in our latest paper, which is prepared for our symposium and will be presented by my, my co-author, uh, Duncan Pritchard, uh, we use epistemology to, to highlight this. So epistemology is uh, a field within uh, philosophy that, that deals with knowledge uh, in particular. 
And specifically, we ask, uh, what can we say about a theory of human behavior that is ontologically flawed, as, as I explained earlier, right? Assuming that everything is, is, is just a bunch of machines. Um, specifically, how should we epistemologically judge a theory that informs practical applications with mistreat and endanger that what it studies? something it is ignorant about because it doesn't see that its object of study is actually a collective subject. Yeah, so. The, the, the idea that, you know, we, 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 we're taught in universities, you know, homo economicus, um, that, that man is rational and will do the most rational thing, maximizes utility. Um, does this understanding of mankind still stand under this cognitive economic framework? not uh, if interpreted as a purely self-interested agent whose free will uh, is limited to rules-based uh, rationality that is often then predetermined in order to lead to or, or agree with some equilibrium established only via competition. Uh, I mean, if, if Homo economicus, for example, is uh, to some extent inspired, going back to Adam Smith, um, uh, about uh, you know the wealth of nations and self-interest and competition, we again seem to forget that Adam Smith very much complemented this with his 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 thinking of uh, a human having empathy and cooperating. So um, it's 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 way too much a, a one-sided view um, that interpretation of Homo economicus. Um, uh, and while the arguments that rationality is bounded as per, per Simon, um, or, or that it is distorted via biases and heuristics as per behavioral economics, um, uh, these are healthy nuances, uh, they still miss the key insight, or rather, as I mentioned before, the elephant in the room. We uh, humans are, are much more complex and in improving our understanding of human mentality starts and ends with consciousness, especially awareness. Uh, let me explain this in terms of, of those two states of, of thinking we mentioned before um, of behavioral economics. System one as being emotional and system two as being rational, right? Um, our consciousness facilitates experiencing these states in a very qualitative way, which allows us to distinguish them in the first place. That is to say, what it is like to be rational feels very different from what it is like to be emotional. Uh, our mentality is complex, whereby a healthy mind operates as discussed via uh, what, what we could consider various internal market forces, not just competition. And what makes us human, I think, is that awareness extends into empathy, like Adam Smith already explored in the theory of moral sentiments. So to conclude, uh, I like to think of homo economicus as a human mind body forming a small open economy, exchanging with similar economies. Patrick, you also have an inaugural sim symposium um, taking place at Panmure House in May. Could you explain to our listeners a bit more about this? Yes, thank you. Um, so the, the, the symposium uh, uh, takes place 
uh, on the 23rd and 24th of May, and it formally launches our research program in cognitive economics. Um, uh, and it's part of the Edinburgh Business School. Um, it will be held in Penmuir House, and Penmuir House is a magnificent historic monument in Edinburgh. It's namely the last and only remaining residence of Adam Smith. Here he completed the final editions of his famous books and invited other luminaries of the Scottish Enlightenment for dinner discussions. Um, the title of our symposium is The Invisible Hand Extended by the Market Mind, Addressing Today's Economic Challenges in the Spirit of Adam Smith. And uh, it's a two-day event involving 17 speakers with a select group of in-person participants due to the, uh, you know, Penmuir House is, is fairly small in size. Um, uh, and it will uh, also be um, uh, recorded and, and, and live streamed. Um, uh, we think in all modesty that we have an impressive lineup of speakers and they uh, uniquely consist of cognitive economic uh, academics as well as investors. So, so I'll give you the names, um, Vivian Brown, Nick uh, Chater, Emmanuel Durman, Sheila Dow, Carl Friston, Gerd Gigerenzer, Dylan Grice, John Gay, Anatole Kaletsky, Scott Kelso, Julian Kyverstein, Howard Marks, Jeff Mogan, Søren Overgaard, Duncan Pritchard, Kirill Sokolov, and Shannon Valor. And the audience chairs and discussions also consist of distinguished experts, including professional investors. Um, uh, and we are further joined by policymakers with senior representatives of the Bank of England, IMF, and FCA. Um, so it's, it's, it promises to be a seminal event. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for. Thank you to Professor Patrick Shortenus for joining me today. Some chapters of the Economic Affairs Journal are free to read, uh, and that includes the article we have just discussed today. A link to the journal is included in the show notes. Um, thank you very much for listening. We hope you'll join us again soon. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the IA podcast on Podbean, Spotify or Apple. We also upload our podcast on our YouTube channel, IEA London. If you want to help contribute to the IEA's digital output, please support us on Patreon, where you can benefit from exclusive membership perks whilst helping us continue to produce stimulating educational output. To become an online patron, click the link in the show notes.